Ahoy hoy film photographers and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast and yes be afraid because it is me Graham on hosting duties again this week um, because aid I think the only assumption we can make is that with the cheap shot challenge judgment looming um, he his fear has left him crippled and ill so he's unable to join us tonight and I regret to inform you that because of the lack of aid we are going to postpone the judgment of the cheap shots challenge I know uh, it's awful and I'm very sorry we'll, we'll talk more about it later um, good news though great news because not only do we have the wonderful Rachel with me this evening but we also have another amazing guest who we will introduce very soon. Uh, first off, Rach, how's your week been? Oh, hi, Graham. Uh, yeah, my week's been okay, plodding along. Um, I had a day off on Thursday. Um, I realised that it'd be about nine weeks since I'd had a day off uh, on a weekend. So I actually had a day off on Thursday. Went to Shrewsbury. It was a surprise. Um, my mother-in-law took me. It's a beautiful medieval town. Uh, went and took a couple of my film cameras with me. I was only allowed to take one, and I snuck two in the bag. <laughs> Um, but then I ran out of film, so I had to go to the shop and buy some more. But luckily, there was a shop where I could buy film, thankfully. Oh, um, what, what was the shop in Shrewsbury where you were able to buy film? It was the Jessops. Oh, wow. That's still <laughs> yeah. a thing. An yeah, extant abso- Jessops. Absolutely. And apparently, they're about to open a new store in Liverpool. So um, I went went in, to be honest, not expecting there to be any film in, in the store, um, just with, you know, a heavy heart. Um, and, uh, and yeah, there, there was a, a rack of uh, a film. It wasn't anything particularly exciting, but there was some Kodak colour and what have you. So I, I just got myself a roll of that, really. Um, and some XP2 and a couple of other bits and pieces um, on a shelf. So I thought, well, that's that's pretty good that they actually still have some film in. So um, got loaded up my uh, loaded up my camera and off I went um, to uh, to shoot the whole roll in about an hour. <laughs> Awesome. Um, so yeah, so that was really nice. I enjoyed that a lot. Got them back from the Max Billman Lab up the road, who do my um, twenty minute um, or half between twenty minutes and an hour, depending on how busy they are. I'll nip in and be like, "Hi, Angie, can you put this through?" And she'll be like, "Yeah, give me twenty minutes, Rach." Um, so I come back and pick up my negatives. Um, I just got them as process only. Thought I'll try them out with Abe's um, Film Lab app and see uh, see what came out. Uh, this is the first time I've tried it with the colour ones because I've used my black and white hand process negs before, uh, but I hadn't tried it with the colour. And um, for whatever reason, I think it's because it's on my Android um, camera phone rather than the iPhone. But um, they were very psychedelic. <laughs> the results came out very strange. It was brilliant. They looked like they'd been um, souped and everything. So, uh, yeah, it was awesome. That sounds pretty great. Well, I'm glad you've had a good photography week. And it's good. It's a perfect time, actually, because the idea of getting out and taking a lot of photos seems to fit in perfectly with our guest this week, who, of all the people I've spoken to, is one of the most driven to shoot that I think I've ever come across. Um, and also somebody who has been, to me personally, over the last few years, quite an inspiration, actually, from when I first saw his work. And it's great to have you on the show. Welcome, NASA Hamid. Thank you very much for joining us. Woo! Thank you for the invite. It's a pleasure uh, it's to be here. Um, I, I know that I've mentioned you on the show a couple of times at least in the past. I think I first became familiar with your work through uh, the Oxford Flickr group where you share stuff and as do quite a few other Oxfordshire-based photographers. And um, the thing that really stood out to me was how you were managing to fit 
photography into your everyday working life um, because you're a busy person you have a family and yet you're still managing to make it work um the first thing i want to ask you about though is i know that we, we had a brief conversation last night and i know that you were saying that photography had been part of your life but you got burnt out on it and then came back to it so could you give us a, sort of a quick recap on the time up until you found your time to get back into film again what what was your involvement with film in your early life how did you come to it and what ended up pushing you away from it <laughs> um okay well i'm old enough to say that i started on film when there was nothing else um i think my first camera was a, I think a we're one... all old enough to say that actually oh <laughs> <laughs> okay. i'm in good company then um so I think my first camera was a, a 110 Helena that I got for my ninth birthday. <laughs> and which... is that the point at which you went, no, I'm away from this now? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love the camera. I mean, in hindsight, the re- results were, were quite rubbish, really. Um, but I, I really loved that camera. And then for my 12th birthday, I got a, a Canon Sure Shot um, which I think, if you look for it now, it's called the Sure Shot 2. So it's not the original, original one. Um, but I still have that camera, still works. Um, and I absolutely loved it. Um, and then when I, um, when I was in my last year of school, we all had to um, organise a week of work experience um, with a company in a, an area that you know that you were interested in that you'd like to maybe pursue a career and so i wrote to the oxford mail um the photographic department to ask if i could spend a week with the photographers just you know seeing what they did and um because i was at that point very interested in um being a photojournalist um, I'd done a newspaper round for quite a few years up to that point, and uh, I remember when the Independent newspaper first came out, and it was very photography-focused, um, really contrasty uh, black and white pictures. But the pictures were were given prominence in the in the stories, and I remember being inspired by that. So I spent a week at the Oxford Mail, really got on with the photographers, um, and they said, well if you want to carry on just just write to the editor and say that you want to volunteer and just come along on saturdays and we'll sort of take you out and whatever and so that's what i did and for the next couple of years uh, i used to go down there on a saturday sometimes going out with the photographers on different um, jobs sometimes not sometimes just hanging around the dark room um, but that's when I, I really got the bug and uh, then when i left school i i worked in a um, a film developing lab that only did uh, ESIC slide processing, and it was all developed by hand. We had no machines. Um, everything was really carefully controlled, and most of our customers at that time were the commercial photographers in Oxford. So, you know, every day I'd see all this different work and I'd get to chat to the photographers and ask them, you know, what kind of cameras they were using because we would develop everything from 35mm right up to 10.8 sheets. And you can probably imagine um, seeing all those different sized format slides on a light box every day. I mean, that was... Yeah, that was just amazing. Um, nothing quite like seeing a slide. Just the beauty of those, yeah. just as, as objects in their own right, is yeah. quite amazing. Um, yeah, and then 
no, ultimately, I wanted to be, you know, inverted commas, a, a photographer. And um, back then, the, the the path that you needed to go was um, to first assist, really, to learn the ropes, um, you know, and then, you know, after that, the, the, once you got your experience, you could then potentially think about going it alone, you know, going after your own clients and, and what have you. Um, so I ended up um, assisting one of our a photographer who was one of the customers at the lab because, you know, day in day out I'd see all this work that was coming in from this studio. At that time, it was the biggest studio in Oxford, um, and most of the the work was commercial advertising for um, Rover cars mainly at that time. Um, and I just fell in love with looking at these ten eight um, trannies on a light box of uh, just beautifully lit cars in a in a studio because everything really back then uh, as much as possible was done in camera um, It was only until years later that i mean this is all way pre photoshop there was a system that I think came out called quantel paint box um, and back then I think the operator fee was something like um a hundred pounds an hour uh, <laughs> wow. um so you know you wanted to get everything right in camera as much as possible um so yeah i ended up um, being an assistant for that photographer and i i really learned so much back then but um it, it's it's that job that burnt me out on my um, passion for photography because the work was pretty hard um sometimes you know going away on location um sometimes working from before sunrise right through to sunset um day after day um and any spare time i had i just didn't want to look at a camera um and i thought well this is not you know what i had in mind so um that's when i ended up you know, going a different route and then just uh, keeping photography as a as a hobby really but um once i left the lab so i went from when i was working at the lab i went from free processing um and you know trade priced film to having to pay full <laughs> price processing full price film um and that, you know, that sort of put the, the brakes on a lot of my photography. I, I definitely didn't shoot as much after I left the lab. Um, uh, but I was like, still shooting, but yeah, I, I didn't shoot as much. I was going to say, that's like um, leaving Apple, uh, leaving higher education and realising that you've lost your Apple discount as well. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> so uh, yeah. was there much of an actual break? So I, as you mentioned, you've got a family um, and was there an actual pause? Did you, did you go away from photography at any point completely or was it always there tickling along um, and it's just the time you had to do it that was the issue? No, I, w- I did. I went away from it completely for a good number of years i can't remember how many years um but yeah quite a few years i i'd say uh probably six or seven years i just wasn't doing any photography at all um i was just, i was interested in other things at that time i mean i've always um just loved watching movies and i remember back then um you know i'd just come across this format called laserdisc <laughs> and yeah, and I bought Laserdisc, and I used to love watching these uh, widescreen, you know, movies with d- crystal clear sound. Um, 
and then DVD came along, and you know, in my spare time, that's what I would love to do. I just love to watch movies, um, and the best thing I ever did was not to sell any of my cameras because um, I. I knew I knew like all the cameras that were available because talking to photographers and photographers showing me you know various cameras and so back then by the time I left um, the studio bit uh, you know when I was an assistant I already had uh, an RB67 um, a Wister 54 um, a bunch of Nikon stuff a couple of FM2s uh, and all of that I kept thank goodness yeah. Um, uh, right through to even when I so when I got back into photography was when um, a mate of mine showed me his DSLR and he showed me uh, a Fuji S1 Pro mm-hmm. which um, at that point I had no idea that there was you know anything like a, a DSLR um, available and when he showed it to me that's really what you know made me think wow you know this is this is kind of the answer to to all of my problems of the expense of buying film, developing, all of that. Um, and so I waited until the S2 came out because um, the S1, I mean, it was the first thing. It was ridiculously expensive. I mean, the S2 was still ridiculously expensive, but it was a bit less when it came out. And that was the first DSLR that I bought. Um and that's what really got me back into photography. Uh, How long was it then before? Because these days you shoot, um, it seems, almost exclusively film. Um, it seems that that really has completely got its claws into back into you. Yeah. How long did you stick with digital for? Um, I'd say from... So I think I got my S2 in maybe 2003, and then... D seven hundred two thousand and nine. I I think um, two thousand and ten slash eleven is when I got fed up with with digital because every time I'd go to use it because I, you know when I was shooting slide film you pre visualize you you see a scene you expose it you shoot it and you you, you kind of visualize what the end result is going to be in that slide on a light box and. Every time I download my raw files, they all they just looked flat and dull. And of course, you know that's what the the raw file is. You've got to adjust it and you know make it into something. Um, and I just couldn't stand trying to make it into something. I just thought, well, I just want to make it look like film. <laughs> and then you, you know there are all these presets you could use. And I just thought this is just faking something that is is this not even real and i thought well if i want it to look like film why on earth don't i just shoot film <laughs> so um I, I can remember really clearly i dusted off my rb67 i loaded up a roll of color um neg and i just walked into town on my lunch break and so at that point i'd already been doing some you know, street portraits and what have you um, with my digital camera. So, you know, I wasn't new to the fact of stopping you know, strangers and asking them if I could photograph them. So I thought, well, why don't I just set my tripod up somewhere where I'm going to be really visible 
and I'm going to have this hulking great lump of a camera on top of it. Um, you know, I'll just see what happens. And so I just um, set up outside the Clarendon building on Broad Street. Um, I don't know if you know that corner. Well, it's like directly um, across from the Western Library. Mm -hmm. And um, I just set it up and didn't take long. Within a few minutes, I had a few people coming up to me saying, what on earth is that? And I said, well, I'm just testing it out. You know, I haven't used it in a long time. Um, any chance I can just do a quick portrait of you? And, you know, and that's how it went. And before I knew it, I, you, know, you only get 10 shots on the roll. Before I knew it, I'd finished the roll. So um, I sent it off um, to get it developed at a lab. And scans came back. And I thought, well, this is, this is exactly what, uh, you know, I've been looking for. It looks so, like film because it is film. <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask you, because this was how I, as I mentioned right at the beginning, how I first became aware of what you were doing, was seeing the pictures that you were taking um, out on your lunch break, um, going out and taking people's portraits. Could you talk a bit about why you started doing that and, and how that process was for you, from, you know, from for forcing yourself out there in the first place? Um, yes, well, I, I was inspired by a, a photographer um, who runs, I think he, he still runs a blog called The Sartorialist, um, but I had come across, I can't remember how I came across his blog, I think a friend of mine must have mentioned it to me years ago, and I was just really inspired with his pictures, so he's a photographer who, um, he used to work in the fashion industry, I think he either... Um, was made redundant or he left his job and then he would just go out on the streets and um, just stop people that you know who were dressed interestingly or you know people who he felt had style and then he would um, photograph them and then just put them on his blog with a little write-up and um, he's now become really really um, well known he's got books of his work published and you know, a lot of the fashion uh, brands have, have commissioned him for work and everything. But it was his work that really inspired me to um, to just, just start looking more at the people that were, you know, around me, people on the streets. Because initially I just kept thinking, well, his pictures all look so great because you can't go wrong in New York. The light is wonderful. You've got just such a, a, a huge mix of, of people. And I thought, well, instead of complaining, why don't I just look at what's on my doorstep um and that's it when i started to look then the more i realized that actually there's a there's a, a lot of interesting people here as well that's can i ask a quick question about yep. um how how you go about approaching people and asking them i'm just thinking for you know for myself and maybe for some listeners who perhaps really like the idea of being able to be that person out on the street with the interesting looking camera and and getting those portraits and shots and things but aren't quite sure perhaps how you would approach somebody to ask them about it, you know, sit in for a portrait. Can you give any advice for the first time you do that? Okay. Um, the first bit of advice is don't worry about just getting a no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if, if someone's not into it or they don't have time, it's their right. They can say no, sure. but don't take that as a huge rejection on you that you're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. It's it's just you just got to move on and, and ask the next person. Um, that's the first bit of advice. Um, I mean, I'll tell you some things that I've learned just from doing it, um, and maybe you you know you come up with your own kind of things that that um, that you learn from. But 
there's a few things that I've learned uh, are huge, you know, things to avoid. And that is if somebody is on their phone, just avoid them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've tried it. You know, I, I, there was this this lady, she was dressed in sort of like American 50s outfit. And, and, I, and I said to myself, well, look, you're going against that rule because... Um, you know, every time in the past, everyone's always said no. It's almost like you're, uh, you know, like shocking them once they're you know from asleep, and you're waking them up. It's like that startling to them <laughs> that um, is to be avoided like the plague. But um, yeah, I tried it, and oh, I can still see her stare when <laughs> she stared at me. <laughs> so that's what I would say. The first thing, and um, I just. I just try and do it as quick as possible. I mean, when I stop and photograph someone, I just do one frame. That's it. And I tell them that's what I'm going to do. I don't make it into a photo shoot. Um, I don't want to keep them any longer than, you know, I have to. Um, so the first thing I'd say is practice. You know, practice with your friends, practice with people you know, but practice on nailing that shot in one, two, you know, as fewer frames as possible. Um, and then always try and start, or this is what I do, I always try and start with a compliment. Like, why on, Why did you want to photograph in the, in the first place? Mm-hmm. I mean, is it the, the hat they're wearing? Is it their outfit? Is it, you know, the, the well-groomed beard that the guy's got? What is it? Like, just, just start with that. And because as soon as you stop someone, you can tell that look in their eyes is kind of like, yes how can i help you what do you want so you've got it in my mind the clock's always ticking so i try and make my point you know get it across to them in 20 seconds or less so Great. thank you so much for that advice that's really good and uh yeah i uh, i look forward to giving it a go myself actually okay <laughs> and just tell them you're practicing with your old camera you're not sure if it mm-hmm. works and um <laughs> that's would you good mind if- that's usually what I say. And I'm usually quite true. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that's because, uh, like I said, you have taken a lot of portraits of people in Oxford, and I've, um, you take a lot of portraits of um, the same people, not at the same time. As you're saying, you're often just taking one frame, but you will go back and see the same people and build up relationships uh, with people. I mean, what kind of, do you prefer doing that or do you like getting just the one-off shots or is it just whatever's out there? Because, I mean, you've got some beautiful pictures. I know there's some, um, often see pictures of a couple of tailors um, oh, yes. in some fancy suit shop and, and, and you know, builders. You seem to, <laughs> builders always seem to love having their pictures. So you've got these great portraits of builders. Um, well, yes, for me, it's just whatever's out there. The, the tailor's shop um, had just happens to be around the corner from my office. So I usually walk past there on my way into, into town on my lunch break. Um, and they're usually wearing different suits all the time because that particular shop, I think they only make uh, 12 suits out of any sort of roll of cloth. So um, once that you know, set of 12 suits is gone, you won't be able to get that cloth again. Um, and so over time, there's been different guys working at the shop. And it, it's, for me, it's just been a nice little record um, to keep, uh, of, you know, not only the suits, but the different people that have worked there. Um, and it's quite funny because 
sometimes if I stop there and I say, oh, I put some pictures up, quite often these pictures are months old. You know, a lot of the, the colour stuff, uh, my colour films, I tend to just shoot and pile up and um, process sometimes just <laughs> once a year when my family are away for the summer. So a lot of the pictures are so old. And then, so when these tailors go through, then they, um, they'll point out, oh, yeah, I remember that suit that had a particular style of, you know, buttonhole or, you know, we used a certain thread on that. Um, so it's nice to, to have a record. Um, but the builders, yeah, I'm always looking out for um, the buildings that are getting knocked down and um, new buildings that are going up because there's just so much change going on in Oxford at the moment. And for me, it's just a, a historical record, really. Mm, uh, I love looking at old, history. Yeah, uh, yeah, I love looking at old pictures. Um, and a lot of it is not only for me to have something to look back on and remember, um, but I just feel like I'm documenting it for anyone in the future who might want to look back at any of this. Um, I'm sure my kids, when they get older, might find it interesting to look look back at what their dad used to <laughs> photograph on his lunch breaks. <laughs> I mean, your your work because you you are Oxford born and bred, and um, and your work is intrinsically of. Oxford and and particularly the people of Oxford and um and because of that I guess because of these relationships you built up with people and your location and I'm also some of the stuff with your work you've also got involved with doing stuff with some of the um the balls for the students at uh, the colleges haven't you yeah um yes and that's just that's just me being curious as to well what goes on behind these high walls when um when you can hear music, you know, playing loudly and you see people all dressed up um, going in and out of these colleges um, during the summer and you see fairground rides arriving. Uh, and so I've grown up with that, you know, just seeing all that, but never knowing, well, what what actually goes on in the ball? Um, what's it like? And uh, like I say, I like looking at um, old photographs. And so when you see a lot of these students, the guys are dressed in their, you know, tuxedos and um, the the female students are wearing ball gowns sometimes you know sometimes obviously more modern dresses but um there's something almost quite timeless about the summer balls that i really enjoy and that just came about me um me just uh, coming across some dodgems that um were being unloaded <laughs> on broad does. street yeah, well, I was on my lunch break, and the guys were unloading these dodgems, and I got chatting to these guys, and, you know, they were, the hands were really grubby, they, they were fairground people, you know, they were, the faces were really weathered, and so I was just photographing them, and I got chatting to them, and they said, yeah, we're, we're here, the ball is actually, you know, tomorrow evening, um, and I thought, well, why don't I just contact one of the organizers of the ball and see if I can just go along and just, you know, shoot some film, so... I contacted them and said, well, look at some of the stuff I do on my blog. And straight away they came back and said, we really like what you're doing. Just come along. So that was that. And then from there, um, it kind of just went crazy. I think a lot of the students started sharing my blog address around because then a lot of the time I'd contact people. And I'd say, oh, yeah, we've been looking at your blog for a while now. Um, come on down. Um, so, yeah, but some of the balls... Um, it, it it turned out not to be uh, you know me photographing just for myself. It was them, you know, really loving my work, but saying, "Well, would you mind shooting you know, some digital pictures so that we can, you know, get them sooner and can put them online and 
tag ourselves and whatever. So uh, slowly I ended up shooting more digital and less film. I'd always take film cameras with me. Um, but then, uh, yeah, there was times when it just got very difficult for me to walk around a ball without getting stopped every two seconds to, to take a photograph. Um, and so, yeah, I've started doing less balls now, unfortunately, because of that. But um, I, I've always enjoyed it. And is it the connections that you've made through that? Because you've also done quite a lot of um, portrait work. Uh, I'm guessing a lot of the people, uh, the models, are um, students from the universities. Yeah. Are these people you've met through doing that kind of stuff? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, Or just doing bits of um, photography for some of the student um newspapers or magazines sometimes they might you know wanting to do pictures for a, a fashion story and then you end up chatting to the students that you know come along to model and you, you talk about what you really like to shoot with which is old cameras and film and they say oh yeah you know we're up for that so um yeah one thing kind of you know sort of leads to another really um, but having the blog has been really good just because it's it's somewhere that people can share you know a link and say well you know look at this guy look what he's been doing um and yeah it's just nice to have pictures all in one place but yeah word word of mouth just tends to spread really i think once you start putting your work work out there i mean that does seem to be the real secret at least of your success at gaining access is by the not necessarily complicated step of just asking and putting yourself in the right place going do you mind if i just do this have you found that the fact that you're shooting film rather than digital has made people more interested or do you just think it is simply being somebody who just goes do you mind if i do this and that not enough people are doing that um i think it's I think it's a mixture. I think part of it is people see the work and they instantly can see that it looks different from, you know, the majority of other pictures. Um, for example, the Oxford Union. They, they already have their own photographer that comes and he photographs everything on digital for them. Um, and that's fine. You know, that's their arrangement with him. Um, but they can instantly see that my, my pictures are completely different to his. Um, so I'm not trying to, you know, copy or emulate what he's doing, um, but there's also a value in what I'm doing, um, and so it's nice I think when people can see the difference. And maybe part of it, well, I guess the the fact that I'm shooting with film and old cameras is the reason why it looks like you know, the way it looks. Um, and I, th I think partly also people can, they can tell when you're genuine, they can tell when you're not trying to, uh, you know, worm your way in and then ultimately you're trying to then profit from the access you've been given. Um, I mean, you won't see anything for sale on my blog, for example. Um, and people, I think, can easily tell that. They can tell that, well, here's a guy who is just you're doing something because he's passionate about it and that's as you know as far as it goes there's no real sort of ulterior motive um sort of lurking in the, in the shadows if you like yeah i mean talking about your blog a lot of the stuff that you've been sharing um most recently is pictures from uh the film set and of the crew of the television program endeavor um how did you come to be taking pictures on the film set <laughs> um well, back to my lunch breaks. Um, uh, I don't know. Do you watch the show, either of you? Do you have you seen it? I have, yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. My, uh, my mum and dad were big fans of Morse originally, um, and obviously a little bit of Endeavour now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. Yes, I was a, a big Morse fan, and mm-hmm. I was desperate to come across them filming. Um, but it just, I think, ended up that whenever I was at work, that was in the, when they were filming, and then uh, on weekends, um, they didn't probably tend to, to, to film much. Um, but I did come across the Morse once, and I am in the background of one of the scenes um, with my camera photographing. Um, that's another story. Um, but the Endeavour thing, I was back going back to when they were filming the, the original pilot um, episode, which, as I understand, it was just planned as a one-off. It was a you know, to mark the, the certain anniversary of of the Morse, um, I think, the, the TV show. And one of my work colleagues um, said to me, just as I was leaving for my lunch break, he said, oh, you want to go down to St. John Street? There's a, a load of old um, cars parked up and people you know, dressed in sort of 60s outfits on push bikes. You know, you, you, you like to photograph that sort of thing. Because anybody who knows me, even my work colleagues, they all know that anything... Anything that's being filmed in Oxford, I'm interested in <laughs> photographing. Um, and, you know, a lot of it now is hard to miss. There's huge trucks parked everywhere. So anyway, I went down there. And um, on that day, I think I had my little Olympus Mew uh, 2 on me. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I tend to just keep in my drawer. Um, and so, yeah, I just went along. And um, funny enough, they were setting up for the very last shot in that episode. I don't know if you remember, but um, the actor, Sean Evans, he looks in the rearview mirror. He's in the black jag. He looks in the rearview mirror and he sees a reflection of John Thor's eyes. Uh-huh. And, it, and then the black jag then turns a corner. And it was that shot. It was the car turning the corner. That's what they were setting up to film. So buried somewhere on my blog is a picture of that. Um, but I asked one of the crew members, oh, what are you filming? He said, oh, it's, it's called Endeavour. And as soon as he said that, I, kn- I knew what it was. Um, and then that did really well, and you know they were commissioned to do, I think, four more episodes. And then again on my lunch break, I happened to just come across them on Brazenose Lane, and they were just setting up. It was right at the beginning of one of the episodes, and from a distance I could tell because I turned the corner, I could see a red phone box in Brazenose Lane, and I laughed to myself. I thought, well, I know that that's not normally there, so I. <laughs> Who's Doctor Who? Oh no, I'm blue. I'm blue. <laughs> so I got I got really excited because I thought, yes, you know, they're back. They're finally here. And um, yeah, I just hung around. And and that time I had a, a Rolly TLR on me. And um, it just uh, yeah, I just hung around. And that Rolly is so quiet. Um, you can just click away even when they're they're recording because when they. Um, filming, the microphones are quite sensitive, so they always say um, that for people hanging around, you know, not to, um, you know, click t- too much because it, it, the microphones pick it up. But that rally, you can be really close, and uh, it's so quiet. And uh, yeah, I shot shot some pictures, put them on the blog, and that's how it how it went. You know, that sometimes whenever they'd come down, I would. Um, uh, just bump into them or you know friends of mine would see the trucks and they'd let me know and I would just go along and just photograph whatever I could and just put the pictures out there and then slowly the the crew obviously you know 
found the blog somehow and saw these pictures and uh, really liked them. And so um, they, they, they've been really generous to me because they uh, allow me you know, certain access and they know that there's a real mutual respect there. I mean, I totally respect that the actors are working. Well, they're all working. So I'm not going to be getting in the way or, um, you know, being too distracting or anything. Um, and they and they know that, for me, it's just an absolute passion to document what they're doing because, uh, I mean, they're not going to be making this forever. I mean, there will be an end to it. Um, and it, it's just a nice record, really, to have. It's, it's lovely. I saw a picture you shared on Twitter uh, yesterday, I think, or in certainly the last couple of days, uh, a really lovely um, group photo of all the cast and crew there. And, yeah. um, and as you said, it's just such a nice thing to have for them. And I, I saw a lot of the responses from the cast and crew. So just just delighted to have these pictures because I would imagine that you know, they don't sets like that don't have necessarily photographers going around just taking pictures as a matter of course so the fact that you're there doing this and you've been lurking i suppose would be the word <laughs> that i would use long enough that you really have become almost part of the family it seems like when they're there and filming now well that's right and um you know they know that i'm not i'm not going to put pictures out that will give things away um you know there's so many pictures that i've got that i hold back until after each episode is broadcast um, because, you know, there might be some, you know, some action going on or certain um, characters might be in the shot. Um, and they know that I'm not going to, you know, spoil anything. Um, and, yeah, we just work well. Um, you know, I just go along and just try and keep as low a profile as possible. Um, because, as I say everyone is working really hard and the more you hang around a film set the more you get to see how much of a real craft um it is to act um on cue again and again and again um and sometimes you have to act quite emotional scenes so there's so many times when i've seen a a, a an opportunity for a really great shot but i know that as soon as i lift my camera it will just be too distracting for the actors because you know i'll be in the cor- in a corner of their vision or something and so there's, there's so many pictures that have gotten away and that's just the way it is mm. um but but yeah sometimes it can get um it can get difficult on the streets of Oxford when they're filming because um, it's a popular show and there's loads of fans out there and the fans love to come down and, and photograph. But um, there are quite a lot of people out there that aren't as careful and as understanding as they should be. So, you know, while you know I will put my camera down and, and not photograph certain things for some people they feel well I'm on a public street I've got the right to photograph whatever I want and they ignore the fact that there's people that are trying to actually work um you know namely the actors so yeah sometimes it can be a bit difficult yeah, I can imagine that's frustrating as well. You almost feel like, look, I'm trying to represent <laughs> us as a group exactly. of enthusiasts and um I mean, I, I I found and continue to find the way you approach photography um, 
inspirational and the fact that you all of the things that you're doing i mean the quality of your work is exceptional i everybody should go to your um blog which is it's simplyoxford.com is that right that's right yep two um, words simply oxford just go and check it out and the fact that this is something that you know you, this is not your job this is Correct. something that you're just doing in your spare time in your lunch break and and have managed to um take it so far you know you've done portraits when they've had special visitors coming to the universities i mean you've d- done a few portraits of some fairly important people as they come past haven't they that's haven't right they? yeah um yeah i mean honestly there's just t- too many to mention but um i really do enjoy going along to the oxford union because um I, I pick the people that I want to go and listen to um, talk. You know, sometimes it's just a Q&A. Sometimes they're coming to talk on a particular subject. Um, so I don't go to all of those events. Um, but there were, So, yeah, the majority of the, the events I go to there are just speaking events. So I don't get to actually speak to the, the speakers um, only the the president does or um some of the students they have a little meet and greet before the the event um but there was one time when their regular photographer couldn't make it and um they called me up and said oh we've got a speaker coming um we just wanted to check do you own a digital camera (laughs) (laughs) because we want some pictures but we need them turned around um you know so we can put them out the next day um and i said yeah i do i've got one but i don't like to use it um they said well would you mind on this occasion just to do some pictures for us and it was george takei you know mr sulu from the original star trek um so yes I, i i got to photograph him um before the event and chatted to him a little bit and that was really nice that's um, so cool that is, yeah. that is so so cool <laughs> yeah um but i was gutted because i thought well i've got to shoot digital pictures for them that's fine but i want to shoot something on film um so i took along what did i take i took along a mamiya universal press camera because i thought well i'll just shoot one shot on fuji pack film um and I tested it the the night before, you know, with the pocket wizard, the sort of radio flash trigger thing, and it all worked. And so when it came to it, when I set it up, there's two ports on the the pocket wizard flash trigger where you can connect um, a lead from the camera, and one says camera slash flash, and one says flash only, and you can guess that I plugged it in the wrong one. Oh, no. So, you know, click after click, it just wouldn't fire, and he was really patient, bless him. Um, but I was, you know, double-checking everything, and I said, oh, we'll just give it this one try, and it, no, it didn't work, so I don't have any film from from that um, the session, unfortunately. But what yeah, a great experience though. Yeah, I mean, well, not the part where you become a horrible hot flustered <laughs> mess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it really, it, it just, it, it does show that there's kind of. I, I when I was talking to you last night, I was saying yep. about how I don't get any chance to get out, and I live in this little village, and and you, as you said to me, well, said, well, just just go out and take pictures of the people in the village, and exactly. really, it's very easy for us to make excuses for why we aren't. That's right. Our passion, and yep. um, and and 
your example really does show what you can do just by getting out there and doing what you want to do. I mean, you, you, like I said, you've not done anything exceptional in terms of what you've had to do to get to where you've got to with it. And you're just doing it purely for your own passion and enjoyment. Um, yeah, I think it's wonderful. Um, oh, thanks. We're going to take a quick break now, uh, and when we come back, we'll find out what Rach has been up to, because you've been doing quite a lot of this stuff this last week, haven't you, Rach? You've been a busy yeah, little bee. Been, yeah, busy bees, all this. <laughs> and, and, Thank and you very also, much, Nasa. That was great. That's okay. Yeah, and also, Nasa, oh, I think at some point I want to do a quick run-through, because you have listed so many cameras that you, mm-hmm. already that you've had. We've had the Wister and the Rollerflex <laughs> and the RB. I think we need to have a quick rundown of exactly what kind of kit you're packing away. It's going to be the longest show ever if we do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe the concise version of the Super The hit, Dream but, uh, Team, let's say that. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you some. Maybe yeah, a top five. I'll yeah, tell you top five, yeah. <laughs> top ten, top ten. Top ten. <laughs> we will be back in okay. just a second. We're back, and I think we're going to start this with the uh, already promised NASA top 10 cameras. What is your top favourite 10 cameras in your collection, NASA? Okay, in no particular order. This is just off the top of my head, ones that I really do enjoy using. That would be Raleigh TLR. Um, would hate that because he hates TLRs because his brain doesn't work <laughs> well I used to poo poo the, the rollies um, when I was using my Mamiya C330 because you can change lenses on the Mamiya and with the Rolly you can't um, but the more I've just gotten used to not having to change a lens on the Rolly just the fact that it's just so much smoother and quieter and lighter um yeah, I've just gotten to really, really enjoy using it. Um, so, yeah, the Rolly TLR, um, the Rolly SL66, which I call the Hasselblad killer because it's, in my opinion, better than the Hasselblad in every single way. Um, it's a, you know the same 6x6 format, pretty much the same Zeiss lenses, um, but the design of the body and everything, you can just do so much more with it. Um my Graflex Super D, which is a, a 5.4 um, press camera, but it's an SLR. So you can um, handhold it and uh, you know focus and shoot without having to get under a dark cloth and focus on a ground glass screen. Um, so there's that one. Um, I really like using my... Um, uh, Yashica uh, Electro 35, yeah, um, which is the first rangefinder that really got me into enjoying rangefinders. But when I initially got it and started to use it, I just, I just thought, oh, I'm never going to like this, and and I put it away for a while. But came back to it, and um, yeah, I, it, I've really taken to rangefinders now. So from from there. Um, as much as I hated the whole, and I still do, I hate the whole Leica clicky, oh, you know, I'm part of the Leica club. Um, <laughs> but? I, but I got um, an M2, which I absolutely love using. And um, the one thing it lacked was a, light, a built-in light meter. So there was just so many times when 
I needed the extra speed of having a built-in light meter. I just, especially um, in changing lights, I just kept missing pictures when I'd have to pull out my spot meter, take a reading, put it away, pick up the camera. And so from there, I got an M6, <laughs> um, which... I only like because it's got a light meter in it. I much prefer like, the M2. I could have probably given you a camera with a light meter on it. I've got other ones. <laughs> but you see, the well, the nice thing is because you, they share the same lenses, so you don't have to buy another whole set of different lenses. And sometimes you've got color loaded in one and you want to shoot black and white and you can't finish the, the color roll. So it's nice to have two. Um, but... From an engineering and a feel point of view, I just love the M2. Um, but yeah, I've on my M6, I've taped over all the the you know unsightly Leica logos and everything. <laughs> I don't like any of that. I um, did see that it's on it's on one of your blogs posts, isn't it? The M6 is somebody shooting with it. Is, have they taken your M6 or is that their own? Oh, I think I, I can't remember if I posted that picture. Is it Sean Evans? I'm not sure. It's it's a chap um, with very little hair <laughs> shooting with <laughs> shooting with. No, a that's not Sean Evans. Okay. Um, no, that that's probably my mate Dave. Uh, right. He's 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 the guy who showed me his M6 uh-huh. um, on a few different occasions, and I kept looking at the price, and I said, okay, that's just not not even interested. Um, but the more I looked, the bargains are out there as long as you don't look for one that is, you know, in collectible condition. Because the people that have got the deep pockets, they want one that's just going to go on the shelf and they can brag to their friends. They're not really going to use it. So the one I bought is, you know, been well used. Uh, it was just body only. It didn't come with a box or anything. And I like it because the more I use it, the more the paint is going to wear off. It's starting to slightly wear off in certain areas. And, yeah, it's nice. It just works. But, it's um, got a worn-in feel now. That's be- yeah. much better. Much better. Yeah, uh, yeah it's in the um, the BMX um, blog post, I think. When you... you, you oh, so, okay. That's my mate Steve. He's got one as well, yeah. <laughs> and this, I, this is Oxfordshire, Rach. You should be I'm sorry. Kind of I, I live in Liverpool. I, I, I'm not expecting these. And to yeah. be honest, he, I, I really... I've never I, seen one in real life. I, I gave him a hard time when he got that because this is you know, long before I got my M2. Um, <laughs> but I, hypocrisy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um yeah, so I know I know a few people with likes, but yeah, I hate the whole clicky like a club thing. Um, <laughs> Even though you are now a card carrying member <laughs> <laughs> and have a whole click of your own tank. Yes, with. yes. Good. Um, good. Okay, moving on swiftly. Uh, Speed Graphic Five Four, which um, has a focal plane shutter in the back, so you can use old barrel lenses that don't have shutters. Um, my Wister Five Four. That was my first large format camera, which I still love to use. Um, my, well, my 108 that I have, it's an exact, it's unbranded. It's an exact copy of a Wister 108, um, but I, it has no branding on it. But I do like to use that. It's massive. It's heavy. Um, I have to lug it around with a little hand trolley. Um, <laughs> but I have walked into town with it. Um <laughs> It's lovely to use, but um, yeah, just don't use it that that often. Just because you just need a lot of time, really, um, to to take that one out. Um, what else do I really like using? Um, oh, my Fuji Six Nine. 
it's a rangefinder, so you mm-hmm. can't change the lenses on it. It's uh, got the 90 mil on it. I absolutely love that. Um, the 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 negs are just massive, and uh, yeah, it's just a big brute of a camera. That um, is considering that that's just your your top selection of them. That's quite. I mean, I I don't even uh, from the conversation that's like I don't want to know how deep this conversation. Pentax six seven. I'll throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, you you do really have just a kind of like, oh, this is the dream collection of. It's stuff the dream use. team, yeah. I mean, the, is... I say to people, it's it's like that rapper Drake said, you know, what a time to be alive. I mean, <laughs> and the great thing is, you've got these lovely cameras, you've got these the Leicas and things like that, and and to really make the best of it, you've got over a hundred rolls of um, Poundland films clocked and ready to rock. <laughs> yep. You spend all your money on cameras and then buy the cheapest <laughs> film you can find. Well, it was a bargain. I mean, I got a discount of 5% and free shipping. What can I say? <laughs> you, I think probably between you and me and a few other people, we've got more Poundland film than Poundland ever had at this point. It's yeah. Oh, that's, I think the just, only other just... question we have to ask is, um, what's your postcode and house number and when are you next away? <laughs> yeah, I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell you that in my next life. <laughs> Um, just a quick question about um, film stock. Obviously, you mentioned about the Agfa Poundland film, but um, yes. is there one apart from that that you tend to go to? Yes, I, I use. To be honest, I use the Poundland stuff um, probably the least. And I was telling Graham this last night, but because they're twenty-four exposure rolls and mm-hmm. the time, and because I develop my own films, the time it takes you to develop one roll is exactly the same whether you're going to develop twenty-four or thirty-six shots, and. Um, so I think, well, if I'm going to spend the time to develop a roll, why don't I just shoot a roll of 36 um, to get, you know, a better return? So the, unfortunately, the Poundland stuff, that's why that box of 100 is still sealed. <laughs> um, but, yeah, at the moment, I'm really liking Fuji Superior 200, mm-hmm. um, partly because I know it's discontinued now, so, you know, I want to make the most of it. Um, Riala 100, which has long been discontinued, which I really love. Um, I've been shooting a black and white, a lot of Ilford, to be honest. Mm-hmm. HP5, um, I've been shooting a lot, a lot of. Um, it just pushes really well. Um, uh, pretty much all I use at the Oxford Union because it's so dark in there. Um I saw that filming. you had some portrait 800, I think, and what have you for the low light, you know, with the yes. at the ball and what have you. Because I was, I was wondering about that, you know, with you saying, oh, I'm shooting at the at the ball, and I'm thinking, I know how dark they are inside, yeah. but I don't know whether you shot inside as well. I mean, the shots on your blog, I think, were just from outside, the ones I'd seen anyway. But yes, um, were you shooting inside as well? Or? Inside, no. On that occasion, I I, would, I didn't do any balls on that occasion. I'd, I'd been asked, and I. I turned it down just because I had a lot of other stuff to do, and it's a lot of work really to because they go on pretty late, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes it's tricky because you don't want to commit to something, and then uh, you know with the summer weather being like it is, if it hammers down with rain, um, it can be just the worst place to be all night because everyone is then huddling indoors under a marquee, mm-hmm. and there's no light to no space. Yeah. So um, in in those conditions, that's when you'd need something you know more like sixteen hundred and what exactly. have you, wouldn't it? Yeah. 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 But um, no, the portrait hundred, I, I just managed to get so, a handful of rolls that weren't insanely priced i think 
uh, I don't know what it is now, but at one point it was like £15 a roll or something silly. Um, and I thought, well, I want to try it. And so I got a few rolls. And so, yeah, I use it kind of sparingly, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, instead of that, I would easily push Portra 400 to stop. I wouldn't um, have any problems with that. So many good films to choose from, and, yeah. and it still amazes me that you you spent so much money uh, <laughs> buying so much cheap films that you now not use. Good investment, Graham. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you, oh, was you claiming that you were getting it to leave for your children? <laughs> lucky, well, yeah, lucky who, children. Who's going to be able to use my cameras when I'm gone film. if they haven't got any film? <laughs> it's what a terrifying thought that in the future all that will be left is this expired Poundland <laughs> film. Oh, God. And, and this is why Analog died. Um, right, Rach, we, there were a couple of things that you were up to a couple of weeks ago that we didn't get a chance to get to last week. So, Tech for Teens workshop. What's that? Oh, Tech for Teens, yes. Um, so, the, the Tech for Teens workshop was um, one that I did as a day for the uh, Liverpool Girl Geeks, who I mentioned previously. Um, they're a lovely, uh, a lovely organisation, um, obviously very invested in getting more women into um, STEM subjects, the science, technology, engineering and math side of things. So, I elbowed my way in and was like, well, you know, I can bring along some analogue photography to that as well. Um, so, although it's um, the hashtag Tech for teens i sort of combined that with some analog and some digital and uh, gave them kind of like a little taster session to my uh, pinholes pinterest workshop that i do um so we started with um mixing some chemicals for making cyanotypes um i think you saw some of the um the shots that i put up on instagram graham of um of some of the girls doing that and said how how cool they looked that you know that was uh, obviously the way to go because they had their leather jackets on and they were way too intimidatingly cool for me <laughs> to be fair i was never that cool as a teenager there is something quite um, delightful about seeing it the te leather jacket clad teenagers making cyanotype prints it's it was very good. Um, I was most impressed with them. Um, so they were doing that, and um, I, I showed Joe, one of the other um, ladies who, who runs um, uh, Liverpool Girl Gates, how to make um, pinhole viewers so that she could hold um, a workshop with, with another group of them. So I sort of split them up into three three teams. Um, and then my, the final one was myself, um, and I'd taken Rosie, my caravan obscura, down. Um, uh, I'd taken her along, I'd set her up outside. Um, in the Baltic Triangle in Liverpool and uh, they came along to there I gave them a basically like a, a photo walk sort of treasure hunt kind of thing sent them out to go and get some different shots and things use their smartphones as well as using the analog cameras um, and then was using the Impossible Project Instant Lab in order to show them how they could use the um, the photos that they've taken on their smartphones and basically transfer that to a sort of real, shall we say, real Polaroid or obviously impossible project film um, and, and print that out, which they really enjoyed. And it was it was really lovely to see how they they kind of actually started to um, slow down a little bit and make some editing choices as to what they were going to shoot and what they weren't going to shoot, going out on the photo walk knowing that they were shooting with film as opposed to on digital as well. Um, so that was that was really interesting, and they they all seemed to to really enjoy that. Um, that was a lovely project to do, and um, that led on to me also doing a three day project for 
Birkenhead's uh, Central Library um, as a kind of an art residency um, there and teaching teaching a bunch of uh, sort of like 9 to 14 year olds um, at various different techniques and in the end I ended up converting the, the basement library which used to be the original children's library but it's now a kind of like spooky sort of like space down in the basement that nobody uses and goes into. Um, it's sort of like fully lined with books, floor to ceiling you know, old peeling bound books and things. So we converted the basement into a temporary dark room which was lots of fun um and uh, and just had like a red um bicycle light as the uh, as the lamp <laughs> um basically just got them to switch off the lights and uh, so they, they were in their element already you know uh, um getting to getting to use that space um and then got, basically showed them how to make some pinhole cameras out of not very much um and take their own photos on four by five paper negatives and then process those down in the basement um so ilford got in touch and said that they'd like me to do a blog post about it so that's nice and hopefully i'll be able to get that done soon <laughs> add that to the list of people waiting for you add that to... to the list exactly. although you have you were telling me before we started recording you have got another blog up on your website this week that's right yes so um i posted one uh, last week about the tech for teens workshop so you can see a few uh, little shots from that just from my instagram posts um and i'm trying to stick to a monday uh, i'm trying to be very good graham and make sure that i've made a commitment to say yes i'm going to do this so I'm, i'll post one on a monday um and this week it was my thoughts on um trying to survive a portfolio career <laughs> so my top five tips for uh, ways to make life more efficient and uh, and trying to focus my time a little bit better i mentioned the fact that i'm very bad at this <laughs> can, I, can i ask possibly the dumbest question that could be asked mm -hmm. um what's a portfolio career <laughs> it's basically what i do so um obviously i run my own business but i also freelance and occasionally do um things like have a short-term contract with something uh, as well so it means doing lots of different kinds of jobs or uh, in lots of different roles um across a variety of industries ah i see thank you thank you for clarifying yeah, that no problem at all you're very welcome um so yes yeah, so those are some of the other things that i didn't get a chance to chat about last week that i've been up to and uh, nasa uh, asked if i'd been doing anything as like a personal project as well and um that that would be that i'd gone and done some filming uh, on my digital camera but also doing the production stills on analog for a musician who got in touch um about a new musical project that they're coming up with looking at unusual duets um so we ended up going and wandering around a warehouse for a bit and um, then we went to a beach and we went to an attic and all of those kind of fun things um and the beach wasn't the squirrel beach it wasn't formby but it was a little bit further down the road um where um anthony gormley has the iron men apparently there's a hundred of them graham we were working this out before and there's there's a hundred iron men um standing in the sand going out to sea so uh, i shot a few um um uh, frames on on my analog cameras for that no idea if any of them have come out but i will i will let you know i'll keep you posted <laughs> when, um what unusual duets yes what, what kind of unusual duets are we talking about here <laughs> Well, at this point, I'm not exactly sure. They just came along with a with a track and basically played it. So they're play they're doing half of half of the track, and then an artist in New York is doing the other half of the track um, with a very in a very different style. So I'm not exactly sure what it's going to look like at the end, but um, it should be interesting to find out. 
that that sounds awesome. You've you've been doing a real mix of stuff lately. That's very cool. I've been I've been doing very little, <laughs> very very little. <laughs> Go on, Graham. Tell us your news. Name on you. I know. Well, I, you know, the thing is, I, I I want to blame on not having enough time and all of these things and opportunity. But when you're here now, <laughs> I just know that you're going to go. This is nonsense. I find the time. <laughs> Um, I did manage to finish off my cheap shots roll the film, so there's that. Uh, and um, there's only that. Um, I have got it developed and scanned in, so it was all ready for tonight. Um, although, having said that, having looked at the negatives, because it was the quickest and literally dirtiest scan ever, I just threw them in. The, I was like, oh, mm, I'm either going to have to spend a lot of time in uh, Photoshop elephants with these or rescan them and try and clean them a bit, because they are so, so great. <laughs> Um, I was talking to NASA about this last night the fact that particularly with Agfa Vista I do seem to be able to find all the dust in any given room Um, so never mind that will give me something else to do Um, we will take another quick break now and when we come back we've got a couple of news bits we've got some awesome emails and we will fill you in on what the plan is for the Cheap Shots Challenge because this is now oh so imminent i realize that it's already late at this point but it's oh so imminent so uh back in just a second guys Hi guys, so we're back and um, we've noticed that Barnaby Nutt has sent us, um, has, has basically tagged us into a recent blog post that he's put together. So if you want to have a little look at it, it's barnabynutt.com. Uh, that's his blog post and he basically did a post, uh, I think it was yesterday, um, saying last week sometime I saw the following tweet from Aid of the Sunny 16 podcast. Uh, basically he talks about the, the blind test on 120 versus 35mm film. Uh, obviously, Graham and Aid and I discussed last week um, when he'd asked, can you tell which is which um, in a blind test? So he says in his blog post, while I often try to work out, while I often try to work out what kit has been used for an image, I hadn't tried a blind test before. What I had done though is shot the same scene on two formats and using the same film stock, camera settings and development. So I posted up the three pairs of pictures below and invited aid in the Twitter community to work out which was which. There followed some reasoned debate and both good and bad guesses. Aid and his fellow presenters then discussed the subject further uh, with more good and bad guesses. Um, he says, to answer a couple of the questions asked on the show, I took the same picture twice because in this first example, I was travelling between Newcastle and Perth and saw the figure hunched in the seaside shelter and visualised the shot. The Leica was in my lap in the passenger seat of the car and the Fuji in the boot. So I jumped out of the car and snapped with the first camera to hand just in case the person moved. As it turned out, he was still there when we left, staring at the floor. <laughs> um, so... He says, basically, in the first two pairs, one picture uses a 35mm Leica M6, so you'll be happy to hear that, NASA, with a 35mm Simucron lens. The other uh, was a Fuji GW6902 Mark II with its 90mm lens. I've got the older one. Have you got that one? Oh, you've got got the older one, one, yeah. Okay. Of course. (laughs) Of course. Um, So he says, uh, therefore, both gave a similar angle of view, um, although depth of field will change uh, with the same aperture setting. Yeah. Um, Take a look and see see the difference. So he gives us the two examples there. 
Yeah, it's great. People can because anybody who listened to that conversation last week and um, who isn't on Twitter because they got better things to do with their time, like a normal <laughs> human being, and wants to go and see what they were all talking about, then that's great. So go and yeah, go and check out Barnsley. We'll have the links in the show notes. Probably says the most unreliable person when it comes to show notes. <laughs> I'm sure the link will definitely be there. Um, and actually, just a, a good link to um, following my call out last week for people to send in pictures that we could test uh aid and yours rachel's superpowers obviously aid's not here so we're going to hang on to this but uh, i apologize in advance because i'm going to get this name horribly mispronunciated um but from egil gore or gar i i looked listen i apologize egil <laughs> and that's probably wrong as well um but anyway he has sent us uh a couple of really good pictures actually um that are much closer up there's almost like portrait distance um of a medium format and a 35 millimeter picture so uh when a's back next week we'll get him to look at that and see if he can pick out which one's which um yes two very nice pictures thank you very much for sending them to us i will test them next week and see how they get on with that um and what was the other thing you had on the list, Rach? Uh, yeah, the other thing was um, from... Oh, gosh, was it from Andrew? Um, let me likely. just check. Yes, uh, yeah, sorry, Andrew Bartram. He sent over on Facebook. Uh, see, I am looking after the Facebook community, just so you know. Um, so on Facebook, he sent over a link for me, uh, which went to a shop called Photo Imex. F-O-T-O-I-M-P-E-X, who I believe are in Berlin. And it says, the legend is back, and it's basically a photo of a pile of Holgers. <laughs> That's so, a um... term for multiple Holgers. <laughs> it's a pile. <laughs> now, other things that get measured in piles, like... Um... <laughs> Like a murder of crows, but it's a pile of holgers. Okay. Um, so, yeah, apparently the legend is back. There you go. Do you own a holger, Nasser? No. <laughs> All the cameras that you've got. <laughs> but not, are you not a fan of these toy cameras? No, I, I've considered it, but... Um, <laughs> that was as far as it went. <laughs> no, but the, the, the results you get seem to vary so much. And I, I could never guarantee that... You know, the one I was going to get would give me whatever, um, you know, imperfections it is that I, I was hoping to get. So, um, yeah, that's why I've kind of stood clear of those. That it seems... won't give you the perfect imperfections that you're Yes, exactly. <laughs> your, your work definitely is about getting just good quality images it's not you're not um, one of the people like, like arguably i am guilty of sometimes going, oh well the imperfections make it more fun it's like well no actually that's just an excuse for being rubbish but um rach we talked about recently the fact that there was a manchester meetup that i know you didn't get a chance to but we've got an email about how that went yes that's right um i've been chatting to alex bedwell um online uh, he is um at perfect is the enemy of good and himself and Garth and George, who are at Murphy's Film and at Real George Perry. Um, oh, and also and Rich, who joined later, who's Richie P. Flash. They went for a wander around Manchester taking pictures of people and things and talking nerdy things about cameras all day, apparently. He says, we also visited the Real Camera Store, which is a fantastic store. They helped me fix my, um, uh, my spy enlarger that you build from a suitcase um i would thoroughly recommend anybody who's around in the northwest go and go and check them out says that george bought himself a canon ae1 program 
We had a decent array of cameras with us, 35mm SLRs and medium format, including a Hasselblad. Ooh, fancy. Um, we did a that's actually what he said in the email but I would I would also say the same Um, Nat Nat disagrees with that (laughs) well I tried it I'm not a fan that's fair Um, we did a little film swap as well to try out some new things which is the whole point of this kind of event and I think I would uh, yeah I would definitely say that's right Um, good way of looking at it he says um, one of the major discoveries was a common lack of love for Henri Cartier-Bresson's rules for street photography we used long lenses and we had crap composition and we fully intended to crop when printing so the hashtag hashtag was born and we will use it to tag the photos from the day all in all a terrific day out and we fully intend to do another one in Liverpool and see some more film shooters out and about for some nerdy camera chat cheers says Alex he says PS I hope this is an opportunity to use your new bleep noises (laughs) we've been sent some more bleep noises that's good (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. That is fantastic. I, I love these cameras. Actually, this is a good point to slip in the fact that, as mentioned a couple of weeks ago, um, we are going to, well, I say a meetup, it depends on whether anybody joins me, but we are going to have a get together in Oxford um, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, so, on Saturday, the 16th of September, which is not very far away at all when this comes out, we're going to have a get together um, and go for a wander around town and also take in some of the exhibitions that are going on as part of the Photo Oxford uh, event that's running. Um, haven't exactly nailed down quite all the details yet, um, but the basic plan is we'll meet up about 11 o'clock somewhere in town. <laughs> and wander off from there so um i know that alex purcell has already said he's going to come up and join us and i'm really hoping that nasa you're going to be free to join us as well because i'll do my all, best yeah you can show us all the cool sites and um <laughs> teach us how to go up and hassle people and, and take their photos which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. um so if you are in the area or you fancy coming up to the area and joining us for the day please do there will be more details to follow next week i promise but if you think about coming the best thing is probably drop me an email or message me on instagram um or just those two really otherwise you'll never get through to me um and yeah come and join us it'll be great to see you um we'll take some pictures we'll see some pictures it will be awesome uh so that's a thing good good um right uh next up we have another email and uh again andrew bartram um previous facebook uh, correspondent it turns out and also definitely previous email correspondent it's very exciting um he's up to date so the email hi rachel graham and aid and it actually says that rich can vouch for that i didn't photoshop that um i am second i did do you know i did think graham that that was you adding that into the show notes just <laughs> Just for me, for my benefit. <laughs> no. No, that, <laughs> to make sure that I knew my place. <laughs> um, so he says. So, so now that I'm up to date. I thought you, I'd send you some thoughts on yesterday's show. First up, Aid was talking about the 35mm 120 comparison. Now I saw this, but like Graham, because he's always right. And also, please vouch for that that it says that range. 
It does, <laughs> but I don't. I know where you've pasted this from, so you've taken it from the email and pasted it into the show notes. So who knows if it's actually right? <laughs> uh, everybody trusts me. Um, viewing these things on screen is tricky, so I couldn't be insert camera shutter noise here to be honest. However, I started catching up on Barnaby Nutt's Twitter thread, and boy, he's a busy film chap. I noticed he had shot on lemon juiced agfa film that I think someone else had soaked and sent to him. Uh, and uh, there's a link to his blog post there, which we'll include. So if you again, if you find yourself on Barnaby's blog reading the one thing, find out his uh, lemon juice thread as well. <laughs> Sounds like an interesting mix. The result on the feed of two children was really interesting and pretty cool. I have read about folks souping film in all sorts of fluids. The mind boggles. Uh, I tell you something. I have seen some things on Instagram which really um, it's not great. Um, I think Tina Rowe mentioned it a few days or months ago for you guys, but I was wondering if Graham or more likely Rachel has tried this. I know Aid wouldn't have. Uh, if not, please can you shout out on the podcast for people to flag their work? So, Rachel, we were talking about this a bit before. Um, I've not tried this. I know that uh, our good buddy Dave um, was mucking around with pineapple juice uh, a while ago and got some weird effects. Um, have you mucked around with this at all? It's something that I've been looking to do, but I haven't as yet had chance. Um, unfortunately, one of the 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 kind of like go tos I think for this is using some red wine, which uh, I always saw as a bit of a, ra- a waste of red wine. But uh, but also, you know, if you've got a little bit left, a bit of cooking red wine, maybe at the end of the meal, you could chuck it in the saucepan and then put your put your film in and soup it in that. Um, so. Uh, I, you know, inspired by the idea of using wine and various other, you know, fruit juices and things um, to to soup film and get some weird effects. I um, I tracked. I I came across um, the Cool Girls Shoot Film TM, um, which is run by um, Melissa and Nora, I believe, um, and possibly Eleanor. Uh, they're, they're a very cool um, uh, organisation of, of women who shoot with film, and surprisingly, cool, girl sh- cool girls shoot film. Can't say that very fast, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> it takes some time. It's a bit of a tongue twister, that one. Um, but they have uh, they actually put out a book, um, I think it must have been about a year or 18 months ago now, uh, which I backed on, I think it was on Kickstarter or something at the time. Um, and it's, it's a lovely uh, a lovely book, which basically gives you um, different recipes next to um, a shot of soup you know, suitably said souped film. Um, Just to read you a little bit about the um, uh, introduction to it, it says, this book was made with a few assumptions in mind that you shoot film, and even if you have never shot on film, you are now intrigued by the photographs within and want to find out what it takes to create such images. To us, shooting on film is about breaking away from restrictions and textbook rules. Shooting on film is liberating because you always have the option to take things further. This book is not going to be the hand um, that guides you step by step, binding you down to fundamentals that ought not to be broken, but it will be that bright spark of inspiration, that tiny but firm push on your back to guide you on your own experiments with film. So pretty much that's that's what they do. Um, they started out as a blog um, by Mel and Nora, um, who, much like you, were lured into the world of film shooting by that one killer photo from that one brilliant photographer. It takes one pull and then you're in it for life. That's what we hope shooting on film will be for many of 
others because here at girls at cool girls shoot film we always believe in film so um so yeah so they do lots of film souping lots of interesting characteristics to the shots that they create uh, and i just thought i'd bring that one up for you so again we can pop that into the show notes so that anybody can uh, can find them on instagram on twitter uh, and track down the fo- uh, film souping book does um Stuff like that hold, I'm going to guess, probably not, but does it hold any interest at all for you, Nessa, this kind of mucking around and um, alt processing and stuff like that? Um, Not messing around with lemon juice, no. (laughs) 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 Because I just feel that if you're going to load a camera with some film, surely you want to get some kind of distinguishable result. I mean, messing around to a certain extent can be fun. I mean, uh, we were talking earlier about the Panland film. I mean, you can develop that stuff in Rodinal and get a black and white neg, Mm. Um, you know, which is not what it's designed to do, but you can do it, and the results are pretty good. Um, So, yeah, I don't mind doing stuff like that, but um, no. I mean, putting your film through the washing machine and then letting it dry and then trying to expose it and see what happens, just not really my thing. Just as an example, okay, so I've just turned to a random page in the book, and this one has, it is a discernible image of a a woman in profile, um, of a head shoulder shot, and with some some flowers and what have you as a double exposure. Um, It's also macro, with a bit of silhouette, and the recipe says, detergent and water and silica gel and apple cider vinegar for 12 hours. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. Delicious. So does, you can you could follow that recipe, but your pictures might not come out at all. This is yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I suppose we should say for people who maybe have not come across film souping before, because it was something that I was completely unfamiliar with um, until I saw some bits on Instagram. Um, in essence, Rachel, I'm right in saying that basically film souping is the process of either before. Or post taking your pictures, you just dunk the film in some random substance it probably shouldn't be in, <laughs> yes. like red wine or lemon Pretty juice much. or stuff like Pretty that. Pretty much, yeah. Or, so you can do it before or after. You can do it before and dry it, and obviously then then re-roll it back in and and, and do it again, yeah. uh, and then shoot it or post, yeah, as well. I remember. Uh, I don't know whether we ever talked about this on the podcast or whether this was just the conversation. Here, but I did see one um, Instagram feed, um, some an unartist, let's say, on Instagram who was um, soaking. Her, her film in um, I believe it was a combination of blood urine and saliva um, hers thankfully um, so yeah it can go places um, hashtag art <laughs> I guess <laughs> it could take a dark uh, turn obviously but you yeah. know <laughs> yeah. um, I'm, I think I'm more likely to have some red wine lying around to be fair <laughs> I mean it depends on how that Friday night's gone really doesn't it um <laughs> Anyway, um, I'll just very quickly um, finish up uh, Andrew's email. So um, he's going to get involved with the, the Cheap Shot Challenge going forward now that he's up to date, so that's good. Um, but he's going to have to find something. He's off to Georgia in the next couple of weeks, so he's hoping to find something there. Uh, he said, the new Lomography Square looks like a Polaroid folding big shot, and he shared a picture with that, um, which it actually does look very much like that. Um, but he's unconvinced by the Lomography quality control. Um <laughs> because it's not very good um and he he agrees that the mint is the one to aim for i think apart from numpties who can't use a tlr i mean i have no idea who he's referring to uh, in that sentence um uh where are we 
He's not here. He can't defend himself. Um, so yeah, uh, awesome stuff. Oh, and apparently this is great. He lets this, there was a new um, party, uh, one of the uh, I think a most of organised party starting next week by the trio who bought us the FP4 party and others. This time based around Delta Films. Um, shoot next week, then Dev the week after that, and then share. Uh, and Emma has a blog post on his website. So um, yeah, Delta Films not. Ones that I've particularly shot, of, apart from a couple of rolls of 3200. I'm not a big Delta user, are either of you guys? Not really, no. Um, I, I I don't tend to, to shoot film that's at that high in the ISO, to be honest. NASA? I've tried the Delta 3200, but all of the stuff I had was expired, and it doesn't really last very well. Mm-hmm. It, it base fogs quite easily, but Oof. I get much nicer results by pushing HP5 to 3200, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but yeah, the the Delta films and the T Max films, I've never really found a developer I was happy with that gave me really really nice results. I, I mean that's well, just listen. because of the handful of developers I'm using, but there must be some good I mean, ones out there. As I think I mentioned a few weeks ago, I have got a bottle of possibly at this point three year old expired FX thirty nine, which was specifically <laughs> developed for T grain. Um, so if you want this bottle of massively <laughs> expired developer, it's yours. I no, will I, I use expired film, but not really expired developers. Coward. Um, <laughs> Make sure you put some goggles on if you open that bottle, please, Graham. <laughs> yes, I will do. You won't be a photographer anymore, otherwise. I will do. Um, Right, let's say, let's catch everybody up on what is happening with the Cheap Shots Challenge. So I know we said that this was going to get judged this week, but obviously with Aid not being here, uh, it would have been wrong for us to do so. Uh, and also, owing to <laughs> recording conflicts, um, we had to push the date back on that. But we are going to be doing it for next week's show, and I can let you know now who the judge is going to be. Uh, the person who is going to be casting his eye over your wonderful photographs. And we've had quite a lot of entries this time, and they're really good. Um, significantly better than anything that the hosts have managed, I would say. <laughs> is possibly the, the most judgmental person I know. Um, it's M from Emulsive. Uh, he's going to be coming next week. He is going to be appraising your work i am pretty certain he is going to be roasting us three for our appalling efforts um so look forward to that people he will be here next week and um apologies again for the fact that it is more than a day late but not a dollar short um it'll be it'll be great it'll be well worth the wait um before we go nasa have you got some shout outs for us i have i've been struggling with this because I was, I've been trying to think of some photographers that maybe the, the, the listeners may not have heard of. Um, so, well, I'll just put a few out there. Um, forgive me if, you know, they, they might be quite obvious. Um, so the first one is uh, a photographer called uh, David Burnett. Um, so Dave Burnett is well known for using a, a speed graphic the 5.4 camera at um, the Olympics and all sorts of other um, events where you probably wouldn't expect to find someone shooting large format. But um, I I just think that he's just an excellent, excellent photographer and really um, good to listen to, very insightful. And there's a bunch of videos on YouTube of him um, just talking about his his photographs. And he's got a huge um, archive of uh, images from 
oh, I don't know how many Olympics he's photographed, but he's just got a, a, an amazing career um, as a photojournalist um, behind him. So um, he'd be the first one. Another guy is somebody called Greg Miller, who maybe people haven't heard of. He's um, a, a 10-8 large format um, shooter. And I think the, the Candid Frame interviewed him. So I'd urge people to to look him up. But um, he's somebody who, you know, just lugs his 10-8 around, um, will, you know, stop people in the street and just just photograph whatever he sees. But some of these images just, honestly, just mind-boggling. Just everything just seems so right. The light, the setting, everything. So check him out. And lastly, I'm going to now... My mate that I'm going to recommend. He, um, so, Graham, you might be familiar with some of his stuff because he does post to the Oxford Flickr group. Um, as far as I know, he doesn't listen to this show, and he'll probably kill me when he, <laughs> if he finds out. <laughs> but um, I really do um, love his stuff. And he's Chris Smith, but um, you can't search on Flickr for Chris Smith and, and not, you know, get a few a thousand <laughs> results. So um, either find him um, or some of his posts in the Oxford Flickr group or um, maybe we put it in the show notes. But it's um, I had to do a screenshot so I could read it off. It's an asterisk underscore C two underscores Smith <laughs> underscore asterisk. And um, his little profile picture is a uh, links of Mamiya Universal press camera. So he'd be um, someone I, I would recommend to check out. Was it on Instagram, NASA? Sorry. No, he doesn't Flickr. post. He doesn't post anywhere but Flickr. On Flickr, okay. Yeah. Great. Well, that, that's some great shots, and yeah, we will put those in the show notes specifically for the uh, whatever you just said. <laughs> this is the problem, <laughs> yes. Where it makes me go, oh, I'm really glad my name's a, a weirdly spelt name. I don't have to deal with any of this stuff. <laughs> there are very few people with my spelt names out there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's pretty good. And uh, lastly, Nessa, where can people find your stuff? I know we've mentioned already your blog, uh, simplyoxford dot com. Are you social mediaing it? Unsocial media, as I call it. Um, I only use um, Twitter really to um, share a, a link to a blog post because I know some people follow me on there, but nowhere else. Same really on Facebook is just for my blog links. Um, Instagram, I'm just not interested in. I've got issues with that, I'm afraid, with their usage policy. And um, recently I've discovered that Twitter, uh, you know, in their terms and conditions, is the same thing where they've <laughs> got the right to, to, to sell, reuse, resell, give away your pictures. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll just start rethinking um, posting pictures on Twitter now. Um, but no, my blog and Flickr, really. Um, yeah, my blog tends to be the kind of curated version and Flickr is where I upload all my sort of keeper shots from um, each roll of film. But not everything on Flickr makes it to the blog. I, I try and keep the blog a bit more concise. Awesome. That's fantastic. Um, Rach, anything else we need to shout out this week? 
Uh, I think we've covered everybody for now. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, oh, the only other thing, because it'll kill me if we forget it, is keep sending in your gadgets. And um, we've had some more stuff come through this week, and we'll probably cover a couple of weeks um, in emails next week. Um, but yeah, keep the gadgets coming, because uh, I think we're almost getting to the point where we're going to have enough to do a show on this, Rach. Yeah. Oh, um, there was uh, one that, sorry, I just realised that we missed. I had a, me- a message on Facebook from Andre. Uh, Domingos, uh, which says, Hi, Aid, Graham and Rachel. I've just emailed the Sunny 16 podcast to discuss the modern modular box camera I'm helping to bring to market. Hope to hear from you three soon. Keep up the great work with the podcast. It's been a huge inspiration, which is lovely. So uh, we uh, we await news on that. It sounds very interesting. Thank you very much, Andre. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, right, well, that's us done then. Uh, you can contact us on instagram and twitter and facebook and Flickr. uh oh sunny 16 podcast that's what we are everywhere um email us at sunny 16 podcast.com uh, we want to say thank you as always to chris at pixelatedphotographer.com for tech support uh, and hosting the longer form conversations and if you follow him on Flickr, on Flickr, on twitter this week then um sharing opinions on what's going on with the uh, formula one i think racing i have no idea it all goes straight over my head but i'm pretty sure there's been some racing going on somewhere and of course thank you to rachel and her lovely band roja uh, their latest album promises i should have kept um which we can find where can you find it rachel amazon or itunes amazon <laughs> or itunes and on twitter and facebook as at uh roja music musica. which looks like yeah. roger um, music <laughs> the uh the email address just uh just so you know graham is sunny 16 podcast at gmail.com i think you, know you just said, said i think you said sunny 16 podcast.com <laughs> like our own domain well i mean <laughs> we're only 60 how many episodes in oh i'll, I'll get the hang of it sooner or later don't worry about it it's fine this is show ep- episode 66 by the way i don't know if we said that at the top either sorry aid sorry guys <laughs> turned into a bit of a car crash at the end <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it wouldn't be the podcast if it wasn't. Um, and uh, and a, a big thank you to Aid because Aid's going to have to deal with editing this week. Even though he's poorly, he has said he will edit this for us. So thank you very much, Aid. And, get well um, soon. Yes, get well soon, Aid. Um, we wish, you, wish you'd been here this week, but um, we we understand you were probably crashing out by the time we even started recording. So probably for the best. Thank you very much for joining us, NASA. It's been a real treat talking to you, and I really hope that you can join us when we do meet up in Oxford. I'll do my best, and thanks for the invite. I really enjoyed it. No, it's thanks been very awesome. much. I hope you will join us again in the future, because I, I get the feeling there's so many things we could have talked about. Oh, evening, yeah, I'd love to. Always. And we will see the rest of you guys for the tremendous moment of judgment for the wonderful macro photography that's been going on next week on the Sunny 16 podcast. Bye! Bye. Bye.